Hi, I'm Jody, and I listen to DesignCast from Georgia, United States. This is Jared Dunbar, and I'm listening to the DesignCast podcast from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Hi, I'm Enrique Caetano, and I listen to the DesignCast from Portugal. Hi, I'm Kevin O'Shea, and I listen to DesignCast from Shenzhen, China. Welcome to DesignCast, a podcast where I interview a wide range of excellent guests in design and STEAM education to get their unique perspectives. My name is Jason Regan, and I use my 20 plus years of experience as a design educator to dig deep into complex issues. This podcast has one simple mission, to create a community of people around the world that are interested in design and STEAM education. Each episode, I chat with guests from all corners of the design world, from classroom teachers to authors and even to educational consultants. We discuss a wide range of topics that we feel are relevant today. I do want to ask you that if you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a review, rate, subscribe, share, or download from your favorite podcasting app. This helps the podcast get discovered by listeners that might not find it otherwise. Also, it helps me to continually define the direction of future guests and episodes. Feel free to drop by my website, www.jasonreagan.ga, to leave me a comment or to sign up to be considered as a future guest on future episodes. Also, don't forget to stop by Anchor and leave me a voice clip that could even end up in an upcoming show. Thanks for listening. So let's get to it. On this episode of DesignCast, I was delighted to speak with Dr. Ashley Guess. Dr. Guess is an assistant professor of STEAM education at Augusta University in Augusta, Georgia. Her passion for STEAM education is contagious, and it was a very enjoyable journey to hear about her time becoming an educator. Dr. Guess has been instrumental in founding the Steamify competition at Augusta University. I feel you will really enjoy the distinction that she makes between integrative STEAM and STEM education versus integrated STEAM and STEM education. So listen out for that. Also, you hear all about her podcast there at the end of this episode please check it out. This is the season three finale of DesignCast. Stay tuned in mid-January 2021 for the season four kickoff with a bunch of new episodes. So thank you for your continued support and feedback, and please continue to stay safe and healthy. If you are enjoying this podcast, it would be great if you could please leave a review. It helps the podcast get discovered by other listeners that might not find it otherwise. It helps me to continue to define 
the direction for the future guests and episodes that we have included on the podcast. So now sit back, relax, and enjoy this chat I had with Dr. Ashley Guess. Welcome back to another edition of DesignCast, and I am here with Dr. Ashley Guest. I am so excited to have you here, Dr. Guest. Thank you so much for being here this morning. It's my pleasure. It's morning for you. It's night for me, but hey, we're going to make this thing work, and I really appreciate it. And so, Dr. Guest, can you tell the folks listening a little bit about who you are and how you got into education? I'll give you the Reader's Digest version because it's been quite a journey. Right now, I live in Augusta, Georgia in the United States, and um, I'm an assistant professor of STEM and STEAM education here at Augusta University. Believe it or not, what I call myself the reluctant scientist. I was just against being a teacher when I was young. And I was a, uh, I actually wanted to major in musical theater. I play classical clarinet and jazz saxophone and sing and, and wanted, you know, to be in that area in the arts. Just really, I learn a lot by listening to music and interpreting things with music. It's just something I've always done. So back in the 80s, I'm giving you kind of my age there, but back in the 80s when I was undergraduate, you know, it's hard to believe it, but it was a different world then even than now. And I remember my parents saying to me, you can't major in musical theater. You'll never be able to support yourself. So I majored in biology because I like biology too. You know, I really like just learning and science was fascinating to me. So I ended up majoring in biology and then discovered I, with a bachelor's degree in biology, I wasn't able to support myself, which is kind of ironic and really struggled to find a place. I didn't want to go to grad school. So I worked in retail for a while and then went back to grad school and thought, okay, I've got to do something with this biology thing. Got married and had kids and 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 stopped working for a while. And then disaster happened in my life, believe it or not. My two children at that time were in a terrible accident and their father left and I was found myself alone with two critically injured children and had to figure out how to support us. And so at that time, people were begging for uh, science teachers. And so I ended up going to get my master's degree, my MAT in teaching in science, you know, ended up teaching high school chemistry. So it's crazy. That's why I call myself the reluctant scientist. But here's the thing. When I started teaching, I thought, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, you know, I'm going to do it in a way that makes sense to me. And remember what I told you is I learn what makes sense to me is music and theater. And I thought to myself, I can't be the only one like this. Because of my proclivity that way, I always felt kind of like locked out of science. I wasn't really that, you know, pocket protector, stereotypical science person. But I decided I was going to teach that way. It became really an amazing thing. Those uh, six to seven years that I was 
teaching high school, what I saw was more women staying in my classes, more people in general, not just taking introductory chemistry, but going on and taking higher levels of chemistry and then doing well on the AP test or moving on and staying in science in college. And I thought, wow. And then when I went back and talked with those folks, it was because what they told me was I could be myself in your class and still learn the science. This be myself piece really fascinated me. Life happened and I was remarried and we moved to Beaufort, South Carolina. And I started teaching at the college level, teaching undergraduate anatomy, physiology, microbiology, and general biology. And I continued implementing different modes of art as contexts to gather people, really crafting opportunities and experiences for students to come through and showcase, kind of construct their knowledge within this context of here's a big arts outcome. So yeah, we kept the tests, we kept the traditional stuff, but this was an ad piece. Several different art shows we put together, different kinds of art, photography, drawing, we would use sculpture, you know, different modalities, oh, dance, music, all different ways to showcase learning in anatomy, biology, and microbiology. And again, amazing results. I got the opportunity to really study what this phenomenon was. And what I found was when I started looking, you know, for programs, what am I doing here? What am I, is it really science education? And because science education still tends to lock out this process of learning and designing and redesigning. And what I found was what I was doing was actually called STEM education, but a specific kind, and it's called integrative, I-V-E, integrative STEM education, not integrated, past tense. I did those plans 20 years ago, and now I'm pulling them out of my file cabinet and dusting them off, but integrative present, responsive, authentic learning, integrative STEM education. But I went further. It's not really just STEM design-based with outcomes in engineering or engineering technologies. I was giving the choice to students to still engage in the design process, but allowing them to construct their understandings in the natural outcomes of design, engineering, engineering technologies, and arts. And so I actually went to Virginia Tech and studied this thing and graduated from there in 2015 with my PhD in integrative STEM education. And I specifically research this thing called STEAM. So that brings you up to date. And I ended up in Augusta because really Augusta was a place in Georgia, was a region that had been untouched. You know, Georgia Tech, where I live, has a very big engineering presence, but Augusta had really had been untouched and there was nothing going on there. And so Augusta University brought me there to to kind of be that service STEM STEAM person in the region. That's an amazing journey. And thank you for sharing that with me. That was that was so interesting to listen to. And I appreciate you sharing that with me. And I hope that everyone's okay now talking about your your children. They are um, okay. oh, great. Yeah, I'll just tell you this quickly. My older daughter, who was devastated, injury, she lived and not just lived. She is amazing. She's 30 years old now. 
She is actually living the dream I wanted to live. She is an arts major and she is now <laughs> at University of Tennessee, Knoxville, working on her MFA in lighting design for theater. How about that? And, yeah. and you know, I, I actually have multiple crossroads with you here because my bachelor's is in fine arts and theater as well. Oh. Um, and so it's um, from Valdosta State. And so that should help you out there not far down the road. And no. uh, so it not that interesting that we both have some arts background mm-hmm. and yet then we're involved in this thing we call STEAM or, or STEM, right? Yeah. And I think that's really fantastic. What a neat and interesting journey. And I am um, incredibly in awe. And so thank you for your persistence because I'm sure that your students really appreciate that. And I am, I'm really, really um, excited to hear more about this. And so you said Georgia Tech. Were you living in Atlanta and working at Georgia Tech or was you mentioned Georgia Tech earlier? Yeah, I, the I reason I mentioned Georgia Tech is Georgia Tech has, well, they're really internationally known for their mm. engineering. It's interesting, the state of Georgia has been really on the cutting edge of bringing this thing, this design based STEM and STEAM to their K 12 schools. Georgia Tech has really been instrumental in, in that because of their engineering. They have received quite a bit of money to help foster this throughout the state. However, Georgia Tech is centered in Atlanta and that general region. Well, that's a good two-hour drive from where I live. And what you have between Georgia Tech and Augusta University is a lot of rural. And so their reach has not come down to us. And so what I found in, in 2015 Despite the prevalence of a STEM and STEAM movement in Atlanta, a large part of the state had been underserved. And so what we found was uh, here in Augusta, in this general region, a lot of schools, a lot of teachers were like, hey, we really want to do something like this. We can't always drive to Atlanta. And so Augusta University saw that need and were looking for someone who could come in and serve the region. That's why I ended up here. And not just that, let me just say this. A lot of people still subscribe to the idea that STEM is really a focus on science or got to do more math. That is not my interpretation of that. It is not what an integrative STEM education is about. And those people generally are very wary of inclusion of any sort of arts. When I first got my PhD, I looked around, you know, I was very selective about where I wanted to go. It's essential in my view And my research indicates that we can't leave out the arts because when we do that, we will perpetuate the problem that we have over and over and currently document that we have in STEM disciplines. And that is that we lock people out. And who do we lock out? We lock out women. We lock out underrepresented minorities. We lock out folks with disabilities. We lock out so many folks. It's like I've used this STEM building, these careers, this opportunity only accessible by this giant staircase. That's not equitable education. But adding the arts piece. Now, I'm not saying color this number two. Isn't this nice? (laughs) That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about design at the core, giving an option for the outpouring of that design to be in arts, not in lieu of standards or tests. 
at all. I'm not saying that, but a performance opportunity to show understanding in arts and or engineering and or engineering technologies. To me, that is essential and a non-negotiable. Augusta was willing to bring me here with that understanding. And that's how I ended up here. Having taught in Georgia multiple times, because mm-hmm. that's where I'm from, mm-hmm. um, I would have to agree with you. Yes, the uh, the metro Atlanta area is probably the most well-resourced when it comes to STEAM and STEM resources. And then from there, it sort of gets further and further away, the less you get. You know, it's kind of a shame. Within Augusta University, where does this lie? What department or what program would you find this in? It's kind of interesting that you put the question that way. I like that. I actually exist in the College of Education. Since I've been at Augusta University, though, our art department has expanded their whole design program. We are working more across disciplines. And so while I formally exist in the College of Education, and my job description now is primarily to teach teachers how to do this, I see myself as existing between colleges. So long, I mean, like 15 years, I was a science professor and science teacher, you know, so I get that mindset. I don't see myself as existing in a specific college. I really exist between places. To answer your question, formally, I am housed in the College of Education. Thank you. Yeah, and I agree. I think it transcends any discipline. (laughs) It's right there in the title. But I was just curious, like, if someone wanted to come to Augusta University and study this, you know, where would they be studying it? So it sounds like it's in the College of Education. It is, but I do a lot of work across disciplines. So I do work with Mm -hmm. folks from the College of Math and Science, and I work with arts people, and I work with English Mm -hmm. people. So a person could come to me and kind of make their own path. But I'm concerned with helping teachers transform teaching in K-12 because it's my view that all children should be able to have the amazing opportunity to learn this way. And that is really the only way we're going to be able to make a difference in the outcomes, in, in what people do as they persist, is by changing education proper. I agree. I am sold. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I, you know, it is, it is exciting to hear that it's happening and especially to think it's happening in my home state, which um, makes me very, very pleased to hear. And so I was reading a little bit about your program and this, this thing kept coming up, Steamify. So can you tell me about Steamify? Okay. So remember what my job is formally. My job is to impact STEM and STEAM education here in the region and And to equip teachers, to walk beside teachers as they're kind of reinventing their craft, giving teachers and students the opportunity to construct their understandings within the design context. And so the thing is, what I found when I got here were people were very excited about it, but they were scared to death. Teachers were. They kept saying, oh my gosh, this is this is a major shift and I don't know if I can do this and I don't know if I'm all in. And, you know, they didn't want to jump in the deep end. This was a big issue. Since being here, I developed a state of Georgia actually has an endorsement opportunity. So teachers can take a series of three classes and become kind of an add-on to their certification to be more expert in a STEM or STEAM approach. But 
teachers were afraid of this. The other thing that I discovered through my research is that we offer a lot of opportunities for children that are extremely disciplinary. We have science Olympiad. We have math. I don't remember what the math competition is called, but we have math competitions We have art competitions, but we really don't have anything that's a design-based STEM or STEAM competition. Got lots of Lego that have design elements to it. But then what I found out was a lot of the people I serve, a lot of the kids are rural and poor. They can't afford it. And so another way that we're locking people out unintentionally. But if you're a kid who comes from a family that can't afford the Lego, if you're a kid that is zone to go to a school that's plagued with 100% free and reduced lunch that kids have to come to school to even eat. They can't afford to do a lot of these programs, even if they wanted to. So I kept thinking to myself, this is another way we're locking people out. How can we not do this? All right. So with both of these ideas swirling around in my head, I thought we've got to bring an opportunity, A, for teachers to stick their pinky toe into this STEM and STEAM education thing, this integrative STEM and STEAM education thing. And then we have to bring an opportunity where the community is committed to bringing opportunities to all children and not locking kids out. So Steamify is that. It is a competition. It's design-based and it is almost completely free to all kids. Originally, we had this competition. We'd give a challenge and then we would um, ask students to design a solution to the challenge. Every kid who comes gets the same challenge and then they choose which design outcome they will use to resolve the challenge. So they can resolve it through engineering or they can resolve it through spoken word or they can resolve it through technology or they can resolve it through theater. That's what they're doing. They bring their solution to campus. So originally this was a face-to-face competition. I had no, I, I knew this was a need, but I had no idea um, two years ago, we had almost 2,000 people on campus. The key here is that we've we've almost taken all of the cost out of it. We've also capped what any team can actually spend because we want to level the playing field for all kids. We even got the state of Georgia to provide busing for kids to come from out of the region. So we actually had kids from five hours away coming to Augusta, Georgia to do this. It was the only competition they would be a part of because A, it didn't cost a lot. B, we provided the busing. And C, this is key, all the learning, the kids had to document how they were using their normal standards, what they're normally learning every single day in class to solve the problem. So this competition has ended up being a pretty amazing opportunity for students and teachers. And then also, how did we do it? How did we provide this? The community came alongside the outpouring from not just the Augusta area, but in South Carolina and across the state of Georgia has been amazing. So the community has bought in. The bad part is this year, COVID, we couldn't invite people to campus. I thought, okay, well, we'll, well, maybe we'll cancel it. I got so many letters from people that we had served before that said, please don't cancel it. Please don't cancel it. So we modified it and put it online. So actually, we're hoping to have people from Hong Kong, from Italy, from, gosh, Korea. We would love to have 
people from across the world solving these problems because they don't have to come to campus this year. So a curse has turned into a blessing. And that's what Steamify is. It's just kids and teachers and communities coming together, embracing a design-based approach, connecting standards to solving problems. Mm. That sounds really exciting. Thank you for sharing that with me. And I have a couple of observations. Number one, I was going to ask you about the cost and the transportation and, and things like that. So you've already answered me on that. I think it's great that it gives those students opportunities to experience healthy competition where they would never have that opportunity any other way. So that's fantastic. So kudos to you guys for doing that. And then the other thing was this idea of multi modality mm-hmm. of giving feedback, you know, of documenting their work in multiple modes. And we work a lot with English as a second language or mm-hmm. additional language for a lot of our students. Mm-hmm. And so for them, they're reluctant speakers. But when they have a chance to just record their voice or to do a video or whatever, they're often quite good at that. Yeah. And so it's great that you guys have recognized that it's nice to have multiple ways of expressing yourself. So well done. I'm, I'm I'm really hooked now. I'm really, really hooked. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's great. And so just real quick, I I will put this in the show notes. How do people find out about the competition? Yeah, well, they we've got a website. The easiest thing to do is just to Google Augusta University and Steamify. That way it takes you to the address, which is probably a little too complicated for me to just say it. But please put it in the notes. I'll make sure that you have it. On that website, it will show you the competition. It tells you the challenges. We even have our challenges published for next year. If we don't, if COVID still persists and we can't bring people to campus, we will still do it online. So you can already start looking at challenges for next year. The really cool thing is we're using a context which is extremely relevant. We're having kids, you know, think about their own communities and connectedness, which is really an issue. Now, um, kids have thoughts about this and they have ideas and we need to give them the opportunity to express that. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to ask you, where do you get the competition themes from? Or is it, do you have a committee of people who work with you to come up with the different competition themes? I do. This is where, again, I've been very blessed is to have people who are just committed to this. So I have educators, I have community members, I have business people who have just committed to walking together with me hand in hand to say, yeah, we want to make this difference. We want to give this to our community. And they go there. They brainstorm with me. They hold me accountable. They tell me that's dumb or they'll say, yes, that's awesome. We work together. This year, AARP in the United States is the American Association of Retired Persons. One of the people who work in AARP were actually somebody that I had met and they were telling me about this amazing challenge that they use nationally about connectedness in communities. And I thought, wow, this is really cool. And so now they are actually, this AARP representative is a part of our board and has been instrumental in helping realize the challenge. I think a lot of it comes from just listening to people tell their stories and listening to people talk about their ideas and and their challenges in life. So listening is a very big piece of that. That's fantastic. And it's great that you have an authentic 
audience and authentic challenge. I think that the contrived challenges that a lot of competitions have, they don't really mimic <laughs> or mirror what happens in real life. Yeah. And so I think it just makes it more challenging experience for the students when the challenge really does reach across to people they might even know. Yeah, that, that makes a huge difference. And listen, not to say that, okay, for people in Georgia, I'll tell them, okay, there is a water crisis in Africa. It is a big deal. Nobody is minimizing the crisis. However, how many of your fifth graders have been to Africa? How many of them understand what that is? How many of them are suffering from hunger today? Maybe that would be a more appropriate challenge for them versus another one that they don't understand. You know what I mean? So looking for those challenges that are relevant as part of an integrative STEM or STEAM educational approach. Mm -hmm. And I think that is key for kids and Mm -hmm. teachers, really. You know, Mm -hmm. it's important for teachers... Although I get a lot of feedback from the teachers that I teach that say, oh my gosh, it's so much so much work to have to think about what really matters today. And I'm thinking, yeah, I guess it is. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think that these challenges, in general, STEAM is very fluid and it, it is never static. Right. And I think that that's, that's probably the scariest part for a teacher who yeah. teaches something that's static, right? <laughs> and so for them to take off the training wheels and allow there to be flexibility and autonomy and agency and a little little bit of chaos, um, it's it's pretty scary for them. And so I think it's great that this is an opportunity for them to see it realized yeah. and to see the students excited about what they're doing. That is, it sounds great. I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to j- get right on that page and check things out and see how I can get involved awesome. as well. And so I know that folks listening will be definitely keen, especially on the remote end of things. And so uh, Dr. Guest, let me ask you, what's your vision for this Steamify thing? Would you, where would you like to see it go? To be honest with with you, I have had the opportunity to work with some folks in Hong Kong. I've also had the opportunity to work with some folks in Italy and to work with some folks in the UK. And I would love to see Steamify, you know, obviously expand in the United States. However, I have to tell you, in the United States, the idea of STEM and STEAM is so commercialized, it really provides a different hurdle to jump. However, not that it's not commercialized in Hong Kong, because it is, but there's a different attitude towards it that I have found in my limited experience. In Italy, it's almost not even there comparatively. I would really love Steamify to be a catalyst in places where kids don't have access to design-based STEM and STEAM education and who don't have a lot of noise about it either because it's very confusing. I also would love to be able to inspire teachers in places who oftentimes feel so, so constrained. You know, our school doesn't have funding. You know, I was listening to some folks talking about their work in Ukraine recently and the poverty that's in many places there. And I'm thinking that's what Steamify is for. It's to bring people together and to empower our teachers, to inspire them, to encourage them, to let them know that there's people out there who are holding your hand from afar. I just see this as a, such a great opportunity. Had a wonderful 
opportunity to work with a school in Atlanta who has roots in Pakistan and India. They kept telling me, you should take this there. They need this. They need this. I hear this a lot from folks. While COVID was a very big disappointment for me, I'm looking at it as truly a blessing now. And I hope to touch people who really need the encouragement. I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, it makes complete sense. Absolutely. Yeah, that was actually a catalyst for me to continue with this podcast was a lot of people were an island to themselves in their schools. And it's a chance to feel like they have another person that can identify and empathize with what they're doing and to hopefully bounce some ideas off of. It's going to resonate with the folks listening about what you're saying. It's very authentic. And I appreciate you sharing that. And I will also say that where I'm at now in Asia, this idea of transdisciplinary skills, <laughs> you know, across yeah. multiple disciplines. Yeah. Yeah, and th- to add the creativity part as well is a relatively new idea. You know, education's been here for 5,000 years exactly. and, and and to change it is is revolutionary, right? Mm-hmm. And it takes a really long time. And so I agree with you. There's places where the idea of having to think beyond what you've regurgitated mm-hmm. is difficult, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's great that you have that vision and I'm sure that people will be more than happy to help out and as remember, you continue to grow. Yeah. And remembering that, that we've taken the cost out essentially, you know, there is still a small cost. There's like, I think it was like a $10 US dollars to enter. The reason being is because what we found is if we don't ask for something, people don't take it seriously. Otherwise, we were trying to get rid of 100% of the cost. And certainly if there are places across the US, but also across the world that they literally have nothing, they can just write to me because I have people who are absolutely open to providing that for them. We're legitimately trying to engage all children and all teachers. That's a very noble message. I will tell you, there are folks out there who probably will take you up on that. And so I'll make sure that everything is included in the show notes so that people can get in touch I with you. So. And I hope so. no, <laughs> yeah, it sounds great. It's fantastic. Yeah. Your vision and your mission with that. And so I was going to ask you what you're really excited about at the moment, but I think I know what you're really excited about at the moment. <laughs> What gets me up in the morning is the opportunity to do what I do. You know, remember I described myself as the reluctant scientist. I'm no longer reluctant. Through a really weird path in life, I got a chance to discover my passion. I got a chance to do what I love. When I was younger, I didn't realize. And now I know. That's what gets me up in the morning. It's very exciting. I can hear the passion in your voice and I I can tell from your work. And I want to ask you a quick question about your work. And that is the podcast that you guys have started. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Yeah, so funny. We have got to have coffee because when you talk, I think, oh my gosh, this guy is got the words right out of my mouth. I love meeting people with similar passion. Again, because of COVID, we're just so separated from people. All my teaching has become pretty much online, which is not always a bad thing because, you know, I teach people and converse with people from all over the world, but it is difficult. You feel disconnected and teachers in their professional development has got to change now. I just was hearing from so many people that they were just they were just struggling to keep their chin up, to do the, the next best thing. It was just becoming really hard, harder because it was already hard. And so we wanted a chance to celebrate what people are doing, kind of like you just said, to encourage, to build community across the internet. It's really an opportunity to extend a hand and to grab hold 
of people. You know, I, I liken teaching a lot of times to kind of this, this march that we're on and let's keep going together. Teaching doesn't need to be such an isolated thing. That is not conducive to persistence in our field, but walking with someone to do what we need to do every day to make that difference definitely is um, what we're trying to promote with our podcast. And it's called Room 366. And not to compete with yours, but at the same time, I want to celebrate teachers and give an opportunity to understand we really do have a integrative STEM and STEAM focus. In the spring, um, season two will be focused on community. So we will be highlighting people, engineers, artists, primarily, who are willing to come alongside anyone near or far to help in the journey. Well, that sounds great. You'll have to tell me why is it 366? <laughs> I am so glad you asked. We kept thinking, okay, what is the deal? And what's kind of cool, I, I need to give a shout out to the team that works with me. I have three, well, two of them now are graduate students and one is an undergraduate student. They all volunteer their time to work with me and do these things because they are equally as committed. So Jennifer, Amanda, and Anne-Marie, I want to give a shout out to them. When we were trying to brainstorm what the, the podcast should be called, I kept talking about, you know, hey, it's, it's like I want people to feel like they're invited to my office. And I want people to be invited to my classroom. That's what I want this to be about. And so my office is in suite number 366 in University Hall in Augusta, Georgia. So room 366 is like come into my office. That's cool. I figured it was probably something with a double meaning like that. (laughs) (laughs) I, I love to find out the meaning behind that. So thank you for for sharing that with yeah. me. And Dr. Guest, I know that your time is very valuable and I appreciate you giving up the time to speak to me today. Can you tell me how folks can get in touch with you if they'd like to know more about your work? Yes. You can email me at steamed, S-T-E-A-M-E-D, or you can say it's steamed, steamed or steamed at augusta.edu. So that's steamed at augusta.edu. You can email me. Anne-Marie is amazing because she, she helps me keep up with the email. I want people to know that you can email me. I'm happy to jump online and and visit with you virtually. I'm also a huge fan of traveling and have had the opportunity to cross the ocean a couple times, in fact, many times to visit with folks. And I'm open to doing that as well as soon as COVID allows. So I hope to hear from you, even if you just want to say hi, tell me how I can help support you in your journey, because that gives me another opportunity to wake up tomorrow. Yeah, that's I can't think of a better way to kind of wrap this up. So I want to thank you again for your time. You're a very passionate person, and I thank you for that. And I know that the the kids in Augusta, Georgia and beyond are very lucky to have you thinking about them and their needs. And so I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed that episode of DesignCast. I'm Jason, your host, and I produced and created this podcast. If you have any input, I would love to hear from you. And I look forward to seeing you again really soon. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. We'll see you on the next episode.